shit ready. Good, because we're recording now. Oh, good. I'm really excited about Mexican. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> we ordered Mexican food. Because of course we did. A bitch better have ordered cheese dip. I ordered cheese dip for myself. Yeah. I'm going to dip my carne asada in that cheese dip. It's going to send a really important text here. I guess we're getting more cheese dip. For everyone who isn't Adam. Oh, that's rude. Only because you got your own. Yeah, says the person who's hoarding the cheese dip. You get your own. (laughs) So this is basic snitches. Yes, and today's theme is Mexican food. Mmm, tasty. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Bye, everybody. But on a similar note, <laughs> today we are covering the chapter Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, which is chapter 18 of Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, we and are. And basically, this is where Lupin tells us our life story. And I think we finished. Yeah, that's the chapter. So that's it. Bye uh, for bye. real this time. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, hold on. Chapter 17? That happened. There was a lot of shit that happened in that chapter, including... Adam doesn't think I can choose a loser in this chapter, but don't Oh no, I know that I didn't choose anybody to lose points, but I know you He's much nicer than I am. The winner of the chapter is Crookshanks. Oh, okay. Cool. I'm giving Crookshanks a win not just because he's super fucking handy and because he knows what the fuck is up. I give Crookshanks a win because I think that it's important to recognize his place in the chapter and in the story. He, like, makes a statement when he's like, no, no, no. This guy, he's actually good. Harry, don't try to kill him, even though Crookshanks knows Harry is basically harmless. I love Crookshanks in the chapter. Also, a super fucking handy is what I gave Tara for her birthday this year. Sorry, sometimes I say things that are really stupid because I know Adam's going to turn them into those kind of jokes. She wasn't even thinking. She was just like, oh, here goes Adam turning something dirty that really isn't. Because that's what happened. Ta-da! Welcome to the podcast. Are you new here? (laughs) The loser of the chapter is Sirius Black. Oh, because he was very dramatic? He's way too dramatic. It's not just that he's way too dramatic. I think that, one... Only one will be murdered. Ah! Yes, it's, it's like the if your response to you'll have to kill us first is only one will be murdered tonight, you're doing it wrong. It should be, no, I'm not trying to kill Harry. Like, why can that not be your response? Also, you really hurt a 13-year-old boy. Like, he doesn't even seem to be remotely concerned about hurting this child. He wants to kill that rat real he's bad. Like, he's like, I will do what it takes to kill this rat, which is essentially what this whole fucking series is about. People willing to hurt other people to get what they want. Yes, you need the rat. Could you maybe... You need the rat. You need the rat so you can kill him. I really struggle with how he treated Ron. I know later he apologizes, but I really struggle with just like how sinister he is. Hey, sorry I broke your leg. (laughs) It's just awful. And yeah, it just he goes about it wrongly. He's lucky he has a fucking friend to come and save the day. That's all I can say. We're all lucky. For real. I just got a text that says, also cheese dip for everyone who isn't Adam. <laughs> so, confirmed. I'm going to respond with three cheese dips, please. We're just going to eat cheese tonight. <laughs> Tara wrote me a thing. <laughs> you wrote me a thing. Fuck! I always get it wrong. I wrote Tara I did thing. not write this thing, so it's I wrote not, it, so don't get confused when you find it's it It's not going to be short. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and write, read the dictionary or anything.
Anyone who thinks I'm funny, please send us an email so that I have self-esteem again. Thanks. Okay, chapter 18. Also, just send us an email. We're lonely. We're very lonely. We just had an argument about cheese, so that's where we are It here. wasn't an argument. It was merely a discussion about our love of cheese. Instead of sending us emails, why don't you just send us cheese to our P.O. box? <laughs> We're back at that again. We are. Cheese and wine. Oh, yes. Yes, but remember, if you do the wine, make sure you split between the two of us. And licorice. No, cheese can be split between the two of us and licorice. That's right. Send us licorice and cheese so we can dip the licorice in the cheese. You can do that. I'm going to read this outline. Swell. Chapter 18. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. The trio are like, WTF, that ain't Peter, that's a rat, Peter's dead. And then Lupin and Sirius are like, well you see, Peter is a dirty rat bastard, so the shoe fits. Hermione says that Peter couldn't be an animagus because they have to be registered. And therein lies another flaw of the Ministry's Animagi registering office because only seven have been registered in the century. But there were three just chilling at Hogwarts. Oh, and you can become one if you put in enough work. Becoming an animal apparently takes the same clout as becoming a beautician. Then, flashback music. Lupin launches into an autobiography. When he was young, he done got bit and it was bad. Like, it hurt and he was all crazy and stuff. Dumble was kind enough to let baby Lupin come to Hogwarts despite other kids' parents and in turn planted the Whomping Willow as a gateway to the tunnel to the Shrieking Shack where, on nights of the full moon, Lupin could escape to bite himself and scream all night. What a dink! That the same year that the trio can go to Hogsmeade, where the Shrieking Shack is, that Professor Werewolf comes to school. His buddies, Sirius James and Cock Goblin, felt bad, so they became Animagi too. They gave him free range to fuck around at night in the forest and village, and so they all learned all about the castle's passageways and created the Marauder's Map. Except they had an adversary. You guessed it, it's Sirius' husband, Snape-a-doodle. <laughs> One time, Sirius was like, hey Severus, go touch that knob. Not a dick joke. And this tree won't whoop your ass, so you can go follow Lupin. James luckily caught Severus in time before Lupin whooped his ass instead. So now, Snape begrudgingly gives Lupin Wolfsbane so that when he becomes a wolf, he's still got his mind, which to me sounds like even more of a curse. Lupin's like, come on, why can't I just escape from the torturous overthinking in my mind a little bit and go fuck up some cattles and buy some chickens and shit? Not chickens. Chickens. <laughs> Not chickens. <laughs> Not chickens. <laughs> Please keep that one in. That was the last book, bitch. <laughs> Okay, that's not what it says. I just don't know how to read. Oh, phew. okay. He wants to fuck up some kettles and buy some children's and shit, which is terrible. I mean, also werewolves, that's what they do. Oh, hey, look, Snape's here, too. Fuck that guy. What? I always say that. Is that, like, the end? <laughs> fuck yeah, that guy. Yeah, that's what happens when Snape is mentioned. I say, fuck that guy. And they lived happily ever after. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. Last time... It was Ginny scoping for chickens. Yes. Now it's Lupin scoping for children's. Looking for children's to fuck up kettles and. I want to bite your children's. Not me. That's not me. I don't want to bite. That's I don't want to. Lupin when he a werewolf. It's Lupin. That's why he takes wolf fan potions so he doesn't do that shit. Cool. I feel like we've covered everything in this book. Yeah, that's that's it. Everything was in the chapter. So, at the very beginning of this <clears throat> chapter, Lupin is like, they've got a right to know everything. Finally. 
We finally get some real explanation to things. It's yes. nice. That is essentially what this chapter is. I like how it's told. Me too. The way that it's explained in this book is so much more clear than the movie. It's very important. We touched on this in the last episode of how we need this. There are so many other like plot holes typically that are covered up and filled in in this chapter. I don't like how the movie steamrolls over this... Yeah, P.S. We ain't gonna be talking about this. There's no movie segment. Yeah. Bye. Um, it's a good thing we're not there yet, but wait, we won't get there because it won't happen. Yeah. I said in the last episode just, like, how I find that chapter and this chapter to be, like, the most emotionally driven chapters of this book and really in the first half of the series. In the last chapter, I focused a lot on the very, very beginning and they were talking about Hagrid and stuff, but then also, like, the introduction of them learning about the friendship between the marauders but we get to discover and learn about the friendship in detail versus learning of it reading this chapter again i realized that harry gets to learn so much about his dad you kind of learn that if you were to compare harry to one of the marauders he's the most like lupin yeah i think so too i don't and that's really what this chapter is the story of a kid who came to a place who expected to be rejected and found friends who were willing to go for it and go the fucking distance for him and that's what ron and hermione do for harry you know and just and what james and sirius and even the fucker do to become an animagi is very detailed it's very hard to do that's why there are only seven of them registered in the last century there's probably triple that unregistered animagi they could do it wrong they could fuck it up they, they could, could be turned into a <clears throat> kettle they could be hurt by this world especially like because that was what mcgonagall's thing was that just wasn't anything out of <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah sure serious turns into a dog and James turns into a stag and they are bigger animals. Are they bigger than a werewolf? And you find out here in the next couple chapters, just one of them can't handle the werewolf. If there are three children at Hogwarts who are animagi, that is almost half of the registered animagi. I gotta believe that there are tons of unregistered ones. Yeah, exactly. When you think about it, if there's only seven in the last century, the current person in charge of that department at the ministry probably hasn't had to register any or has registered one or two. He has a real cushy job. That's right. He and... Madam Hooch. They're just... Maybe it's Madam Hooch's other job. Maybe. Oh my God. We We figured out what else she does. Yeah. Either that or both these people just sit around drinking Hooch. That that is something that definitely gets lost. Even the fact that all three of them and the reason why they became Animagi and how that led to them creating the Marauders map is very crucial here. The fact that it's not in the movie is incredibly just like, oh, okay. So mad about it. But anyway, but that's in general what happens in the chapter. But in more detail, I just wanted to comment on a couple of things. As I'm talking about the unit of the Marauders, and I already mentioned the parallel with the trio, they are so solidly a unit in this chapter. Ron is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. This is bullshit. This is crazy. And Hermione and Harry are right there to be with him, to take care of him. And be like, bitch, you can't get out of here. You literally can't stand. You're a mess. Lupin gives them back their wands after he's taken everyone's wand again. As proof to show. Yeah, to be like, hey, you can trust me. Hermione could literally do magic and get her and Ron out of there safely. And they won't leave Harry. Like, it's just so 
tight, the three of them. We get a little bit more of an insight in Harry and Ron's reaction. And Ron being like, this is bullshit. Why are you talking about my rat like this? And then Harry soften when he starts hearing a lot more about his dad. It's such an interesting contrast to the thing I talked about in the last episode where he is about to kill Crookshanks. The level of change. There's this one moment where he realized that his father was an anime guy and he's like, what kind of animal? And he kind of gets cut off. And he doesn't get to find out. And I yet. feel like in between them is Hermione because this is perhaps one of the points where she really kind of takes control. I mean, she doesn't really take control until after all of this unfolds and she has to take control. Yeah. I can just imagine her being kind of like in the middle there and trying to really absorb all of this information. Well, because Hermione needs to understand in a different way that Harry needs to understand and in a different way that Ron needs to understand because he deserves to understand too that he's lived with this rat his entire life. Harry is so desperate for information about his family. Mm-hmm. And honestly, other than what has been freely told to him by Hagrid he doesn't have any information like in the movie they show Lupin telling him a little bit more about his family in all honesty he does not know McGonagall and Dumbledore and no one has been like Harry let me tell you about your family how could he not be like transfixed by this moment you know and Although he, he does definitely seem to be like, yeah, this is some fucking crazy bullshit. Like, there's a moment where he and Ron are looking at each other like, these guys are crazy. Yeah. What the hell? When you think of, like, what transpires out of this, too, and that now he has Lupin and Sirius to kind of give him more information, it really is a wonderful moment of him learning about all of this. And this, perhaps, is what opens up into this new world for him. I always feel like there is this big transition between book three and book four and I think it starts here where you do start to learn so much more about this world and this kind of like rounds out Harry's story a little bit more not completely of course but it ties up some loose ends in a way that then allows you to experience so much more about the robust political climate and society that they're living in right now one other thing that you talked about earlier in terms of them being bigger animals and being able to handle a werewolf something that I found really really interesting is when he was like hey a werewolf can only harm humans I'm like okay only in this universe apparently and I don't know how werewolves exist in Twilight I know they are there but i don't care about that so don't at me well i don't know that, it, that they can't harm they animals can, yeah but they, it's like a werewolf is that they're dispositioned to attack humans mm-hmm. because that makes i mean because later on in the book he attacks Sirius as a dog but it's like defense mode it's different than when they're going at it as friends and there's three of them again yeah. there were three of them even if one of them was a very small animal that helps to clear it up definitely i think once we get to that moment obviously we're not there yet but also lupin has these humans right there too yeah and we learn through this that the fact that they could transform into Animagi calmed him down. So I wonder almost if it's Lupin going after Harry, Hermione, and Ron, and then Sirius protecting them, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty beautiful considering what happened in the last chapter. In like that, Sirius comes in in this like aggressive. Yeah. way and then turns around is actually protecting them that also brings in this whole thing about the wolfsbane potion 
Which, mm-hmm. I mean, we're kind of talking about the movie at the same time, because there's no movie in this chapter. But he talks about how the Wolfsbane potion allowed him to keep his mind, and then that's why he's able to exist as a teacher right now. And then this whole thing that, again, is completely lost in the movie, in that when he did come to the school, the Whomping Willow, the Shrieking Shrack, we get all the clues throughout this book in terms of them kind of coinciding with Lupin, being the reason why he could come to Hogwarts in the first place. Right, because Dumbledore allowed him and took all these precautions. And this is all pre-Wolfsbane Potion. So this child has to be secluded in this way. The setup was specifically for him. I remember the first time reading this being like, wait, what? Oh my gosh, you know, because you're just like, oh, it's like how the giant octopus and... Squid! Giant squid. <laughs> He's a squid. Don't... Uh, yeah. Don't misrepresent my baby. I love him. It's fine. I just called him the wrong I thing today. I him first. I know. He's fine. He like hangs out with Slytherins. It's fine. That's right. That's he, why he's my friend. Yeah. My friend too, because everyone's my friend. You wish, you wish you could be friends with the squid like I am. <laughs> but you up in your tower, whatever, partying about when you be Ravenclaw. Meanwhile, I'm downstairs being like, "Hi, squid, I love you." I know that we are separated between this glass, but that does not mean we cannot be in love. <laughs> but like, there's all this stuff that's like you just think it's part of Hogwarts. You know, you're like, especially because it's introduced in the second book, long before you know shit about werewolves or Lupin or any of this. You're like, that's the Whomping Willow. Oh, it's part of the school. Like, I think that it's already ingrained in your mind that that's just part of Hogwarts. So then when you're like, actually, that's there for this person. It makes me wonder if there's other things that are referenced to throughout the series that had another use that we don't actually get to. Oh, yeah, I bet. Even thinking about like how I hate to bring her up, but that one-eyed humpback bitch, dick witch again, which is what Tara had for lunch. (laughs) That had a specific purpose. And so did the Whomping Willow. Like what other things just in their environment that they're used to yeah. have this other special purpose. I mean, that's one of the fun things about reading these books, but I definitely was like, huh. I do want to pedal back to what I was saying about how McGonagall and Dumbledore didn't tell Harry anything about his family. There's actually a line in this chapter that makes me go, well, yeah, that's why Harry is maybe the way he is. Lupin starts to explain all of this stuff, and Harry and Ron have that moment where they're like, these guys are out of their fucking mind. The way that the line goes is like, Harry looked at Ron their eyes met they agreed silently black and lupin were both out of their minds their story made no sense whatsoever how could scabbers be peter pettigrew Azkaban must have hinged black after all but then there's like another little line here and it's clearly in harry's head but why was lupin playing along with him i think in this moment you realize how much harry was like attached to lupin and the idea that lupin could also be a bad guy is probably really devastating but was he part of it? It's specifically why was he playing along with him? Like he's still grasping at the idea that Lupin actually can't be bad. He's just helping us figure this out. This, I think this reflection on his age and his desperation for wanting to know more and understand because he's so left in the dark about everything. Well, not only that, but the fact that it is, oh, Sirius is bad. Lupin must be bad too. Right. Not that Lupin is good. Sirius must be good too. But the other thing that this made me think of is, hey, you guys are also only like three years into magic school. Especially you, Harry, who before all of this did not have any understanding of this world. And also you never do your homework, so you still don't understand anything. That's exactly what I'm getting at. (laughs) Like, no, 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 that's perfect. There are so many other things that are unknown. Mm Mm-hmm. And so many more unknown things that we have to unwrap in this chapter. Not only the time travel component, but even the Patronus component. 
that we have to run into. And mm-hmm. let's not even talk about everything else in the next few books. You still don't have a full understanding and like what is to be seen is not to be expected. I think that is something that hasn't really caught on in this moment. Now, there are moments where we definitely see some things like that. You know, I've talked about certain moments in the past of really great intelligence. The one in this book that keeps um, popping up in my mind is when Harry saw Crookshanks and Sirius and was like, that's not a grim if Crookshanks can see it. Mm -hmm. But this is a very emotional moment. That is something that I'm always kind of thinking of in this book is pressure and how that can really change your perception of reality. At the very end of this chapter, they do go into a little bit of this Snape thing, which is also very important because Snape continues to be a incremental part of these books up until the very end of the series. But as they're talking about Snape trying to kind of always get them expelled, Mm -hmm. it really did make me think of Malfoy. Yes, thank you. He's like obsessed with them like Malfoy is with Harry and Ron and Hermione. It made me think more about Slytherins too, because obviously they're both Slytherins as well. Perhaps why there seems to be this discourse between Slytherins and Gryffindors. Because Slytherins are inherently very ambitious and there is this element of jealousy with both of them. You know, I've talked about the Seven Deadly Sins in the mm-hmm. past with the Defense Against the Dark Arts professors. Yeah. And I've talked about other things like the suits on in tarot being like the four houses. So it got me thinking of like, you know, everybody in these uh, series have flaws. Jealousy is definitely something that is very core to Slytherin, I think. Like if they are so ambitious, but then they see something in other people that they really want, which is a Malfoy fucking thing for sure. Yeah. And then of course we learn to see that that is something with Snape too. Jealousy and revenge, I think is core to what a Slytherin is as well. I'm a very jealous person. I know (laughs) I can tell you that right now. (laughs) So it's something kind of interesting and kind of unboxing what is core to their specific houses and why they're so similar maybe. Okay. In a way that kind of boils it down to something that is a natural human instinct or emotion, which maybe soften things a little bit. I mean, there are definitely a lot of dick moments between the two of them, but I almost wonder then if you were to flip it on its head and see things from their point of view, more so maybe Snape's than Malfoy's. I think Malfoy does some things that are really, really unforgivable. Snape does too, of course. Is there a way then to kind of flip it and show something else that the Gryffindors are portraying right now? Like, Pride, for example. Right. I see pride is maybe the opposite of jealousy. Maybe something kind of interesting in a way to kind of connect all of this. For the sake of conversation, this is an incredible thing to delve into. For the sake of the story, I think that it's probably as basic as, as the story establishing that Slytherins are bad and Gryffindors are good, which is really, really unfair. Um, it really takes away from the depth of the characters. Snape particularly, I think it's Lupin that says he's probably jealous of James's skill on the Quidditch pitch or whatever. And we all um, know what he's really jealous of. Right. I feel like Lupin is better than that than being like, oh, he's just jealous of James. Like, Lupin can use his brain and probably be like, there's a lot more to it. Who's struggled a lot in his life and doesn't really have anyone. He knows Snape doesn't have anyone. Like, he's not an idiot. I'm thinking as a kid because he knows that Snape becomes a fucking Death Eater and him choosing to make that unforgivable is fair. I'm excited to probably have a conversation more in depth about that like outside of this because then we can look at the whole series but I really love that you brought that up. Every time we stop and we look at like how Slytherin is portrayed 
just so poorly versus how like Gryffindor is portrayed in this like higher light or whatever is really problematic for the storytelling. It can't just stop at jealous. Like if you're just jealous and there's no action behind that, then it just stops. You right. Know? I mean, I'm jealous of a lot of people because they're like a, me, like Adam, because he is a smart beach. And like, I'm jealous of all the. <laughs> That's why you're jealous of me? I got reasons. Not because of my gigantic tuna can dick. <laughs> If you don't know what that means, listen (laughs) Listen to to the the last last episode. episode. (laughs) Which also, that was a joke. I don't want all of you tuna dick aficionados calling me. Like, no. (laughs) Dude, but really, like, jealousy can be a pretty harmless emotion. Well, something that can kind of grow out of it, I think, is vengefulness. Which also isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, Snape shows some vengefulness because he is trying to get them expelled. So he sees something that he's jealous of. He wants to get back. But... Harry is also vengeful in this chapter and the last chapter because he wants to right a wrong, mm-hmm. if you will. It's about keeping yourself in check. Yeah. We're yeah. real, you know, people are real with real emotions. You're not always perfect. The parallels between Snape and Malfoy are so interesting as far as their background and their intentions are not really all that exactly. similar at all. I'm like, glad that you said that. They're, yeah. Oh my God, I can't wait to talk about that. But like, they're not really that similar. What I expect when I read this chapter, Harry to make that like connection. Being like, yeah, fucking Malfoy's obsessed with getting me in trouble. There's no like blatant connection in this chapter. It's interesting that we bring this all up because something that we actually talked about in the last episode but didn't actually record due to technical difficulties is special episodes that kind of look at certain things in these tags through a certain lens. For example, the thing that I kind of touched on in the last chapter about the Grimm and how it relates back to Trelawney not necessarily being wrong, but you're looking at her through a certain point of view. So, But if you take it back to like other aspects of divination, what does it look like and how is she correct and how is she incorrect? Likewise, like the seven deadly sins as a theme of relating them back to professors, but definitely like how do they fit in perhaps with some of the characters that we see and where do we see elements of all of these different themes? Obviously, we talk about a lot of other themes such as growth, you know, my favorite, or (laughs) plot twists and things like that. If you would like some special episodes, email us, basicsnitches at gmail.com. Yes, tell us. We would love that. That's right. Steven and Abby, we know you have our email addresses, so come on. Give us some... Get at it. But also, like, all you other people that I know that listen, like Brian, Cora... That's it. Ashley. Ashley, you too. Sorry, Roxana. I forgot about you. Sorry. Oh my God, Roxana, I know you. Etc. Let us know. Maybe we'll post a poll on social or something like that if we remember. I don't I'm real bad at social right now. Love me anyway. Also, we don't know what the state of the world is going to look like when we publish this episode. Hopefully it will be in a much better place because change is happening around us. But definitely let us know if you're interested in some of these special episodes. We're almost done with season three of this shit. There are other ways that we can, like, explore this series in ways that kind of examine elements from a different point of view, so... I just have two more quick things to say. The first one is uh, just another parallel between Lupin and Harry. I feel like if we were inside of Lupin's head, it would be like, the fucking advice I gave you. Because Hermione is like, it was really dangerous for you guys to all be running around the castle at night and making this Marauder's map and hanging out with a werewolf. Lupin is like, yeah, I feel like I've betrayed 
Dumbledore's oh, trust yeah. because I thought maybe I should tell him Sirius was Animagus, but I didn't want to be responsible for that. And like he's admitting his failure to be responsible in that moment. It cuts back to earlier in the book where he lectures Harry about his carelessness about going to Hogsmeade like with the without map, thinking. So I love that little parallel. I also love that self-reflection that he gives himself in front of these students. Like he's still being a teacher in this dire moment once he stops being dramatic with Sirius. We haven't seen a lot of flaws of Lupin up to this point. I feel like every single chapter we're like, Lupin is great, he's so good. The fact that he brings this up to shows these flaws. In the last chapter, we kind of were like, oh my God, Lupin's bad. And then we're like, wait, no, he's good. And then this chapter, I think we're like, okay, he's good, even though he's a werewolf. So it shows that you can be something while still being good, which is important life lesson, period. Yes. But then it goes into show like he's still human, even though he's a werewolf and that he reflects back on these things. So it shows the complexity of like the human spirit overall, I think. I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That was like the perfect tag to what I said. I know, baby. All right. And then I have (laughs) one more thing. Yes. Which is not going to be shocking at all. Speaking of fucking drama, Snape, that's right. (laughs) At the end of the chapter, he's like, I got this invisibility cloak. Here I am, bitches. He is so dramatic. Everybody is just trying to, like, make an entrance. Be like, and, you know, these teenagers hey, are over here. Like, in the complete opposite of the teenagers, I'm surprised Ron hasn't passed out from pain. Harry is on emotion and information overload. Hermione, her brain's probably 400 places right now. How can I get everyone out of this shit? Meanwhile, the adults are like, oh, so dramatic. The, how Lupin's can I like, make a scene? Like, like, Sirius is like, ooh, I'm gonna be spooky. And Lupin's like, here's my life story. And then fucking Snape is like, oh no, I got this. Whoosh! Still pissed, bitch. Reveal upon a reveal and jazz hands and death drop. So that's how the chapter. Did you know that I was voted most dramatic in my graduating class? I'm not going to respond to that. She's not shocked. My high school did like boy and girl in that category. I won and the girl's name was Tara. Really? Her name was Tara, but it was spelled differently. It was T-E-R-A. Ah. Hey, Tara, shout out. If you're listening to this, you're probably not. But if you are, email us basicsnitches at gmail.com. I was not most anything. I was like most... Potato. Yes. <laughs> Fuck Mary Kill! Here we go. So I phoned it in again. <laughs> Who shocked? Fuck Mary Kill. Mooney Padfoot prongs. And Wormtail is not included because we would have killed him. And I wanted to make it a little bit more difficult than the last I chapter. I feel like you know how this is going to go. Mooney Padfoot Prongs? Yeah. I'm gonna I marry don't think Mooney. I know. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, that's a given. I'm gonna fuck Prongs and I'm gonna kill Padfoot. Because Padfoot's already dead. I mean, so is Prongs. I know, sorry, end of this serious. Oh, wait, not Padfoot. Wait, hold on. Say, <clears throat> I'm sorry, say that one more time. Mooney? So you're gonna. Like, I'm gonna marry him. him. Prongs is James. I'm gonna fuck him. You're gonna kill Sirius? I'm gonna kill Sirius. Really? Yeah. Okay, that is a little bit shocking. Why? Why? Who did you think I was gonna kill? You think I was gonna kill James? I thought you were gonna kill James. No. James is dead. He's already like- Sirius is gonna be dead. Have you read the series? All of us are gonna be dead. Have you learned anything about life ever? If I am looking back at when they become Mooney Wormfoot- Wormfoot. (laughs) Wormfoot. <laughs> Moody Wormtail, who's not in this fuck Mary Kill, Padfoot and Prongs, if I were to choose from that point in their lives, absolutely would kill Sirius. <laughs> Wait, I'm still on Wormfoot. 
Okay, sorry. Okay, go on. Go on. But he's like, he's worm tail, worm foot, worm every fucking thing because he sucks. He's a worm dick. <laughs> worm butt. Guys, the wine is here. Okay. Um, and so are almost the margaritas. You don't get to listen to us after all of this. You're welcome. I mean, just like everybody in this series, we also might be dead after this. So this might be the last episode <laughs> of Basic Snitches. Can you imagine, like, the the documentary after this? Like, and that was their last episode. <laughs> that got morbid real fast. It did, but it's also hilarious. <laughs> Anyways. Do you want me to fuck Mary kill this? Yes, back to the So because I feel like I have to explain myself with this fuck Mary kill. So if I'm gonna look back at when they become these fuckers and they create the Marauders map. Sirius is like the troublemaker. Sirius is a troublemaker. He literally tries to get a fellow student murdered. That's fair. I mean, obviously I don't want anyone to die because I'm a nice person, including people I hate. Now there's a few. But none of the people mentioned today. Okay. <laughs> you gotta choose someone. Yeah. And you know James can fuck. I mean, look at Sirius. I'm sure he could, too. I bet he could, too. I'm gonna fuck Sirius and kill James. I had a feeling that's how that was gonna go. But I'm also gonna marry Lupin. Because so. that's the answer. Because Lupin's great. But, I mean, you could say, like, if you kill James, then he's never gonna be with whatever the fuck with Lily. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> I just said whatever the fuck about Lily. Sorry, everybody. I apologize. Alcohol is, is a thing. I drank a bottle of wine here. at this point. He did. He's a champ. But this is all about me. <laughs> well, about really, me. it's fuck, Mary kill, so you're going to make us make this decision You anyway. need to make some hard decisions. It's fuck, Mary kill. It's a silly game that is also one of the best parts of this season. <clears throat> it's so, fun. It's fun. So I'm going to marry Lupin. I'm going to fuck Sirius. And I'm going to kill James. Sorry, James. Sorry. That's right. Oh my move. god, that makes me no but much better than Peter Pettigrew. Fuck. God damn it. No, I'm not gonna rethink it. It's it's happened. Too, too much. Too yeah, much. Yeah. On to the movie. Okay. Oh wait, there's no movie. There's no movie. Just kidding. I have one thing to say. Oh yes. Go on. Can you imagine if the movie decided to do a flashback with Baby Lupin? In this whole thing with Why Dumbledore. Why can we not have it? That uh. would be amazing. Because otherwise, the movie gets an F. This is may, might be my first F for the movie. This is important fucking this shit. This is, right. Like, the movie has cut whole chapters out before. This is a huge loss yeah. to the story. There's more to come. Oh my god, wait for the fourth movie. But right now, this is fail. Because after this... Or these books get real fucking thick, just like my tuna can dick. <laughs> so be prepared for things to get cut the fuck out. In this case, like, this would have been such a wonderful moment for them to do flashbacks. And not only that, but this director is not foreign to flashbacks, you know? Right, and the movie itself is really good. I think out of the entire series, if you were to, like, not think of it as a book adaptation, and I've said this before, I think it's the strongest movie. As far as the direction, I think that there's some acting issues between the children trying to come into themselves and some choices that new Dumbledore makes. This movie is really good. Yeah. 
So as I'm thinking about this, if you cut out some of the more awkward moments with Lupin, such as Lupin on the bridge, which is not really awkward, it's very heartwarming. But if we're like talking about Lupin and Lupin, we cut that out. If we talk about cut out them walking through the forest, if we cut Harry screaming in the snow and put a little bit more effort into this, kind of rolling everything up, because we don't learn that they're friends until this moment. Right. That might have been a nice way to recycle it, because... I am trying to think of, like, okay, where can they pull other moments? Well, I mean, the screaming in the snow moment is sadly necessary, or that needs to be redone, which I also would have... I feel like they could have redone it. Because the whole scene actually was great. Like, him hearing the way he did, and we already talked about that in that chapter, the way that he learned that information was really great. It was just, like, they did the take, and I don't know how many times they did it, and I know that... Like, as an actor. Can you imagine, like, take 57. Right? And this poor again, kid. Harry. This poor kid is just like, I can't do this anymore. Maybe we shouldn't be critiquing I mean, listen, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Listen, Daniel Radcliffe, I love you as Harry Potter. And he's actually an exceptional actor. I will And an exceptional human. Him. Because he I had to. exceptional human. I had to come in in our, like, Trans Lives Matter episode um, and mention. But he, like, all of them, they've all been, like, pushing back on Jakey Grelling's comments. Sorry to bring the episode down. Down. But like, they're good people. They're, they're good actors. Good people. And in those cases, I think a lot of that comes down to direction and not the acting. And I know that the actors have like interviews where they're like, "Oh, that was my worst acting and stuff." And actually, I think Dan said that his worst acting was in the sixth movie or whatever. And talking about the acting, the chemistry between Dan and David Thewlis in those two extra scenes that you're like, that didn't happen in the book are beautiful. They're so good. But yes, you could take that time and do it in the moment of the story where one, you get the information you need and two, you don't have to make up things because all of their conversation is made up. Now in the one scene, I think they're talking about the firebolt and stuff. There's some stuff that's not weird that like could still be in there. Shorten it. Give me explanation of the Marauder's Map. Give me the backstory. Let me learn about James. You don't get any James in this movie. Which is pretty important. Which like, is really important because to me, I mean, and I've been saying we since get the first Lily book, later. We get well, we get her in the first couple books too. Right. But. I think here's the thing is I think Lily, in the grand scheme of things, and I've said this already, is more integral to the story, and I think Harry is more like Lily, which we get more discussion of later in the books. But in this book. But in this book, we need the explanations of James. How many points are you taking away from Snape for his dramatics? I know I keep looping a lot of points, in particular 30 in the last chapter, but I'm giving you 30 again because this is Lupin's chapter, Beach. So this is not something I thought of when I was giving him points, but it's just that he's human, that he's flawed. Despite that, he's still a great person and he has this, let's call it a disability. Oh, this is something I did not talk about actually in the book. There's one point where Ron is like, get away werewolf. And I'm like, that might be a little bit racist. However, in that moment, I feel like Ron is just, I'm going to give Ron- His leg is broken. He's a little bit fucked up. In this moment, nothing is clear. It is not clear he's a good guy. Um, But calling him a werewolf, not the way to just be like, get the fuck away from me because you are a bad guy. Right. If he had been like, get away from me because- this guy is potentially a bad guy. You don't have proof that he is good, that he is right. That's fair. You are in a 
very dire situation. Using that terminology and using that as the way to push him away is problematic. Before this recording session, I had a, a meeting with my therapist and I talked a lot about some difficult conversations I've had with people regarding Black Lives Matter and really trying to be a good ally in everything. And I think that's a big struggle that a lot of us are feeling, especially since we've been quarantined and social distancing and everything, but also really trying to do our part. Something that we talked about, there are two different like extremes and there's a gray area in between. And that's something within all of life. <laughs> I think the lesson in all of this is that like in all of us, we can all do better and become more educated yes. and realize where our privilege is and where like systematic racism is like embodied within us without us even knowing it. I'm going to make a book recommendation right now. It has nothing to do with Harry Potter, but it's Me and the White Supremacy. That is a good book to kind of learn about how to work through this and learn about things that you might do without even realizing it that could seem racist, even though you yourself might not be racist. And that also goes towards like being non-racist is not the solution, but being anti-racist is the solution. So just a little political thing from Basic Snitches, even though we're a comedy podcast, we're a lighthearted, silly podcast, but it's still important to continue this. You know, I'm very A-type, as we all know. <laughs> I know, Tarrant looks shocked. <laughs> And like, you always try to get to that end goal and be like, hey, my work is complete. This is one area where our work will never be complete. You always can learn and grow. And I mean, it's the same sort of thing with everything. Like when you're done with school, you're not done. You're always going to learn and grow and learn new skills and learn how to be a better person. And this is such an important part of history where you can do that. I think it's just really important to recognize if you don't know something, your job is to learn about it and to not have an opinion about it if you don't understand it. Also, if it doesn't directly affect you, you don't get to have an opinion about it, but you should still learn about it. Yeah. Do your best to be like the best citizen of this world <clears throat> without making like immediate judgments and everything. Stepping off of soapbox. Did you finish your point? What? Oh my god, we're in the middle of points. <laughs> Did I give 30 points to Lupin? I gave 30 points yes, to Lupin. and then we went on a tangent, but it was beautiful it and I was. love you. Whoa, I did not mean that tangent to it's go okay, so long. It's okay, I loved it. Plus 15 to Sirius and plus 15 to James. Because we learned both about them and I've never given points to James yet. Because we learned so much about their backstory and the way that they support their friend and that is important. Plus 25 to Dumbledore. He's not someone who is very present in this book and movie, but he did what he could for Lupin. An educator going out of their way to build a fucking house and tunnel and plant a murderous tree. And then negative 10, I am taking away points from one person, Tara's husband Snape-a-doodle. <laughs> Negative 10 from him for being a nosy beach. Nosy beach. Because what I was actually going to say previous when I was like, hey, jealousy is maybe a Slytherin trait. So is being nosy. This is something that we've seen with like Pansy Parkinson, Fucking for example. Malfoy. Malfoy, absolutely. Like, fuck yeah, I'm a little bit nosy. I don't mind saying it. Like, I want to know. I'm interested. But in this, it's not cool. You could pay them no mind. Interesting. Yes! So I never disagree with taking points from Snape. Because we have the little, like, side quest it there in the fine. middle. Plus 30 to Lupin, plus 15 to Sirius, plus 15 to James, plus 25 to Dumbledore, and negative 10 to Snape. And next time, we are going to be discussing a chapter that I did not care to uh, look up ahead of time. And I my think book? it's The Servant of oh. Lord Voldemort? No. I was going to say my book is across the room, but it's right here next yeah, to my Yeah, it's The butt. Servant of Lord Voldemort, chapter 19. Guys, that chapter makes me, like, have all the emotions. This is when Trelawney's prediction is coming to a close. 
unlike emotion-filled chapter 18, chapter 19 is just gonna like set us off on this crazy-ass fast-paced journey. Also, we have four chapters left. We have only two recording sessions left. So despite recording half of this season away from each other, we are now yet again rejoined. See, maybe like things will go fucking haywire again and we'll have to go back to doing this. Wow, I'm glad I bought a new computer. Also, it's important to share with you in a couple episodes, not the next one. (gasps) Yes, thank you for reminding me. We will have another guest star. So we'll... And it's a secret. It's a secret, but we will have that guest star probably write us another outline, so we'll be bringing them in. Point. We'll figure out how that goes. Last time it was odd chapters, so and this it time we're even. It screwed everything up for Adam. It was real confusing. We'll make it work. But it's also very exciting. We won't announce who the special guest is just yet. Yeah. But as of that special it, guest, special It might be appearance. somebody that you already are familiar with who yes. showed up in the last episode. Right. As of that special guest special appearance, though, we will have had as a guest star a Ravenclaw and a Hufflepuff. Oh, shit. To be with this Slytherin and Gryffindor, who you have to listen to every week on. Oh, my God. Steven, that means you are the Rowena Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Whoa. You are the Rowena Ravenclaw. Oh, did it again. You are the Rowena Ravenclaw to my Salazar Slytherin and this bitch's, what's his name? Godric. Godric Gryffindor. You guys aren't ready to meet Helga Hufflepuff yet. Brian, that means you're Helga Hufflepuff. (laughs) Brian, we just gave it away. Helga's name is Brian. Sounds the same. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Have you seen my cop? He's a very nice cop. It almost sounded like you said cock. We gotta go drink some margaritas (laughs) and eat some cheese. (laughs) Have a blessed day. (laughs) Basicsmistress at gmail.com. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, later, snitches. snitches!